0: This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. So let's get into your notes there. You see 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going we're to talk about the importance of finding our place You know, with the grace of God. The grace of God is, is God's heart towards us. It's His attitude moving towards us no matter where we've been or or what we've been through. And it's His divine influence upon our hearts to reflect His goodness in the lives of people around us. I want you to think about that. His grace reaching towards us to bring us into place of relationship. And then His grace continues to work in us. His divine influence in us to reflect His goodness to the world around us. And and you see First Corinthians 12, verse 18, it says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. God has set the members. Who set the members? God has set the members, each one of them just as He pleased. In the Amplified it says, just um, as, as He sees best adapted. So there's a place for you and I to be in the body of Christ, but upon this planet for us to operate in the grace of God, the power of God, the dominion of God? And why don't we see more of people operating in the power of God? Well, one of the reasons could be that maybe we're not in our place. Maybe we're not in our grace. Maybe we're not operating in our gifts, and our callings, and our passions. And, And there's more. Acts chapter 4 verse 33 says, And great grace was upon them all. And you think about the grace of God, what was happening in the early church. I mean, there were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles. I mean, thousands of people coming to the Lord. And the Bible says from the person who just got saved to the person who was the leader, great grace was upon them all. And you, as we've tracked throughout the Bible, Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. He says, all the stuff that I did, he says, people worked, but I worked more abundantly because of the grace of God. He said, I shouldn't be walking in what I'm walking in, but the grace of God is not in vain in my life. And I've allowed God to work in me, and now I'm allowing Him to work through me for the glory of God. And God is wanting you and I to realize that there's more grace available for us to walk in what we're called to do. Great grace is upon us all. So what would it look like in our life to operate at 5% more grace than what we're operating in right now? 10% more grace, 20% more grace, 30% more grace than what we're operating. When I say grace, God's supernatural ability on our gifts, our talents, our callings. What if we was operating at 30% more than what we are right now? There would be great things happening, more than what we're seeing. And we are going to see more because of the grace of God. Say, thank God for the grace. You you see 1 Corinthians chapter 7, this is on your notes, verse 7. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Each one has his own gift from who? From God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Notice this, each one of us has grace. So say, I have a gift. And I have grace. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gifts in His call are irrevocable, and He never withdraws them when once they are given, and He does not change His mind about those to whom He gives His grace and to whom He sends His call. So think about that. Every one of us have a gift. Every one of us have a grace. And God says, I don't change my mind for what I put on the inside of you. I don't change my mind for the desires. I don't change my mind for the passions. I don't change my mind for the gifts. I don't change my mind for the call. I gave it to you, and I don't apologize for what I placed on the inside of you. Now, we're not talking about him not apologizing for our... um, areas that we need to come up in. He's talking about the gifts. He's talking about the graces. He's talking about the call. Every one of us have a gift. Every one of us have a grace. And every one of us have a call. Say the call. Romans 12, 6... Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Keep going. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual endowment, gracious divine endowment, employ it for one another as befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace, faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians His unmerited favor. So notice what he's saying. He's saying, when all of us receive that every every one of us have a gift every one of us have a grace every one of us have a call and when you're being you and I'm being me and we're all where we're supposed to be we're going to paint an accurate picture of the goodness of God he says it's the it's the manifold Wisdom of God It's the manifold grace of God It says that we're going to display all the characteristics of God To the world that doesn't know Him The purpose for the gift is to reach people The purpose for the grace is to reach people The purpose for the call is to reach people The most important thing to God is people And and the body of Christ We should shine in these areas Of being where we're supposed to be And using our gifts for the glory of God We should be masters at being where we're supposed to be hearing the voice of God. Remember uh, last time we talked about, pay attention to nature. Pay attention to what God... how, How does a hummingbird go from Wyoming to South America? They're paying attention to what God placed on the inside of them. It doesn't matter how much hell they go through or rain they go through or lightning they go through. If they need to stop and get refreshed, they stop and get refreshed, but they keep trucking. Why? Because deep is calling unto deep. And you and I are made in the image and likeness of God, and we're full of the Spirit of God, and we have the mind of Christ and the blood of Jesus and the Word of God. And so if we would listen to the deep in us, the deep in God, calling to the deep in us, we should let that lead us to the place that we're called and created to be. We are smarter than a bird. Say, I'm smarter than a bird. So if a bird doesn't talk himself out of being where he's supposed to be, if a fish doesn't talk themselves out of being where they're supposed to be, you think of fish, I mean, they swim upstream. They do things that are, it just doesn't make sense. Why? Because they're listening to what God put on the inside of them to get to their place. And he says, there's a place where it pleases God to place us in the body of Christ. He says, at that place, that's where your dominion is. At that place, that's where your grace is. At that place, that's where your victory is. At that place, that's where your strength is. At that place, that's where I'm going to work in you and through you to touch the world around you. Every one of us have gifts. Every one of us have grace. Every one of us have a place. But the question is, are we in our place? And if you've been with us for the past several months, we've talked about, okay, when a person gets born again, the life of God comes up on the inside of us and we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And what do we say to the word of God and the will of God? We say, yes, sir. And in the morning, whenever we get up, we say, yes, sir. Whenever he speaks to us and we hear his word, we say, yes, sir. What do we say? We say, yes, sir, and, and part of getting to that place, part of getting in our graces, part of operating as if we're a finger, he says, be a finger. If we're a toe, be a toe. If we're an eye, be an eye. If we're an ear, be an ear. He's saying, I'm not confused about what I made you to be, so you don't be confused about who God's made you to be. 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three says that God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. So if there's any confusion that lets us know I've stepped beyond what God is saying for my life and I've got to step back, what is the last thing He told me to do? What is the last thing I have the answers for? Because a lot of times we want to walk in the will of God, but we're not willing to do the will of God. We want the results of the Word, but we're not willing to do the Word. It's kind of like a a workout program. Everybody wants to be in shape and look good, but not everybody's willing to go through the process of getting the results. It's the same way with God's Word. So I've got to ask myself, am I in my place? Am I functioning in the graces that God's placed on the inside of me, am I operating in the gifts or am I not in my place? Am I not in my grace? Am I living out somebody else's plan for my life? Am I living out somebody else's dream for my life? Am I, am I living out somebody else's calling for my life? You know, because that happens all the time. You know, as we travel all over the country, I always say there's a very small percentage of people who truly know who they are and what their place is and what they're called and created to do upon this earth. And most Christians are very frustrated because they don't know that. And it is not our Father's desire that we live a frustrated life. He wants us to, to know His plan. He wants us to know our call. He wants us to know our gifts. He wants us to operate in our grace. He wants us to realize we're smarter than a bird. If we'll just listen to what He's put on the inside of us, our giftings, our desires, our passions, we'll get to the place that He's called us to. So go with me down In your notes, you can look at this and study it in your own time. But I wanted to read Acts chapter 17. Um, I I believe it might be on page 2 there. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 28. And he made from one common origin one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation their settlement lands and abodes so that they should seek God and in hope that they might fill after Him and find Him although He is not far from each one of us for in Him we live and move and have our being as even as some of your own poets have said for we are His offspring also. So what is He saying? He said whenever we were born into this planet. He knew the family we were being born into. He knew the culture that we were being born into. He knew the time frame that you and I were being born into, and God did not get it wrong. You hear people say all the time, well, I think I was born about 200 years too late. No, you weren't. Well, I think about 200 years too early. No, you're not. God knows what he's doing. And he says, I created an environment for people to find me. When God birthed us into the family we were birthed into, he says, regardless of the circumstance, we we might have thought it was an accident or thought that we should. He says, regardless of the circumstance, you're not an accident to me. And I've created an environment already for you to know me, for you to find me, and for you to walk out the plan that I have for your life upon the earth. God did not make a mistake. Now, is every relationship God's plan? No. Is all the stuff that maybe our family did the will of God? No. But God is bigger than any mistakes that humans make. God knows what He's doing, and His heartbeat is always so that we can know Him, so we can honor Him, so we can walk with Him, so we can live in relationship with Him. So we get born again, and we say, yes, sir. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says that we continue to bring all of our faculties to God. Everything that we are to God, He says, and then change the way that we think. And He says, as we change the way that we think, then we're going to prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we get born again and we say, yes, sir. What do we say? Yes, sir. When when I'm saying, say, yes, sir, we're just saying when we see something in the Word, we're agreeing with God. We're saying, yes, sir. We're saying, yes, sir, I agree with you. And then we're changing the way that we think and we're getting closer to our place. We're getting closer to discovering if I'm a finger, if I'm an ear, if I'm an eye, if I'm a nose, if I'm a toe, if I'm a spleen or a bladder or a pancreas or whatever you are. (laughs) But he wants us to know, and we might not think that that's very important until we don't have one. Right? And then it affects what's happening. It affects the whole body. Well, us not being in our place, if my elbow was in my eye, my body would not function correctly, right? Remember we told the story of if if I'm a finger and I want to be a toe and I could go to toology school and I could have t-shirts that says I'm a toe and I could have a a closet full of shoes, but I'll never be a toe. Why? Because God designed me to be a finger and not a toe. It don't matter how much my eye takes smelling lessons. It will never be a nose. It can go get smelling coaching. It can get smelling friends. But it'll never be a nose. It's an eye. And there's things that are on the inside of you and I that God has designed for them to come out. And he says, your associations all along your life, I've brought people into your life to help you become who you're called and created to be. Now, on the other side, the devil's working overtime to pull people away from their place to pull people away from their grace, for them to use their gifts for the world, for them to use their gifts for the devil. You see this in sports. You see it in music. You see it in business. You see it all the time. People using the gifts that God has given them and they're magnifying the devil or they're magnifying themselves instead of magnifying the one who gave them the gift, the grace, and being in their place. Relationships will either take us up or relationships will take us down But all along the way, God is saying, listen, I've set your boundaries Listen, I know where you are designed to be I have the relationships in place to help you develop Because every relationship produces an offspring, right? Whether good or whether bad What are the relationships in our life producing? Are they producing good or are they producing bad? Are they taking us up or are they taking us down? So God knows what He's doing with our relationships. God knows what He's doing when He placed the desire. Remember, Philippians 2.13 says, "It it is God who continually works in us, creating the power and desire both to will and to do for His good work. Desire comes from a Latin word, which means to father, that the father fathers The desires that he's placed in your heart And those desires are designed by God to guide you Those desires that are from God are designed to lead you Those desires are designed to be in your tank To fuel you after God and to fulfill your purpose Without the desire connected to the gift We'll never have the tenacity to be everything we're called and created to be Now I'm not talking bad desires I'm not talking fleshly desires I'm talking about the desires that remain in you when you're in the presence of God. I'm talking about the desires that keep coming up whenever you're in a situation and you know this is what I'm born to do. This is what I'm created to do. This is what I'm called to do. Now let's go to Acts chapter 13. So so how can we find our place and how can we find our grace? We get born again and what do we say? Yes, sir. And we're renewing our mind. And he says, okay, we're proving what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we start listening to the desires that are on the inside of us. And those desires, we you're going to have a desire to do what you're called and created to do. You're going to have a desire. An elbow that has a desire to be an elbow, even if it's trying to be a thumb. An eye has a desire Why? because that's what God placed on the inside of it. A bird has a desire to go south in the winter time. Remember, remember the story of the the bird that decided I'm not going to go south for the winter time. I'm going to be in a different place, and he stays up in in Canada. And he says, I'm staying in Canada. I'm not going south for the for the winter, you know. And so he he stays there a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden the rain and the hail and everything starts coming, and he's like, Well, I'm going to head south now. And so he starts to try, and all of a sudden his wings freeze up there in the air, and he glides down, and he and he finds himself in the barnyard, and he's thinking, oh man, I'm going to die here, you know, I'm, I'm frozen now, and, and all of a sudden this cow comes over the top of him, and he says, oh no, you know, I'm frozen now, and now this cow's fixing the mess on me, and oh, and sure enough, plop. And then the bird got to thinking, hey, hang on a sec, that's warm. Oh man, and his wings started moving, and it started flapping, and he started chirping again, and oh, I'm going to live, chirp, 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 and the barnyard cat came by, and whoop. <laughs> What's the moral of the story? Sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut. Another thing is, not everybody who poops on you is your friend. (laughs) Anyway, that's beside the point, but it's a funny story anyway. Uh, what, 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 (laughs) what, What can we learn that God has put something in the bird to get them to where they're supposed to be? And we're smarter than a bird. You don't sit there and a bird's flying over and you see them tweaking out and, uh, you know, they're doing this. You're thinking, oh, yeah, they're trying to figure out where they're going. They're trying to figure out who they are. I mean, that one's trying to be an alligator right there, but nope, it's a bird. No, because they're listening to what God had placed on the inside of them. God has put His Spirit in us. God has made us in His image and likeness. We're not dumb. We're not ignorant. We're not just blobs of, of you know, slime or what. We're made in His image and likeness. And, and He wants us to get to our place. He wants us to operate in our grace. He wants us to live a fulfilled life, a restored life, a redeemed life. He wants us to live in victory. But it takes us being in our place and operating in our grace to walk in the dominion and authority that God has created us to walk in. And so we get born again and we say, yes, sir. And we're renewing our mind and we're proving out what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we're creating this environment where we're listening to the desires. We have a desire to do this or desire to do that. And then we realize that there's a call. Say a call. A call. Acts chapter 13. I believe this is probably on page 4 of your notes. Acts 13, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetriarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me... Separate to me. Notice this. God is, is taking ownership. Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, he laid hands on them, and they sent them away. And being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now notice how he said that separate unto me. He says, I've called them. He says, now separate. Separate them. Unto me, So how do we get to our place, and how do we find our grace, and how do we operate in our gifts and callings? So, so there is, yes, we get born again, and we say, yes, sir, and we're renewing our mind, and God has called us to be certain things before the foundation of the world. I want to read Jeremiah 1, five to you. It's not on your notes, but listen. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated. Say separated. I separated and set you apart, consecrating you. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So you see that there, there, there was a, there's a call upon every one of our lives. Matthew 22, verse 14 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, many... And I've got to ask, do I want to be the many that are called or do I want to be the few that are chosen? Because every one of us have a gift. We've established that through God's Word. Every one of us have a grace. We've established that in God's Word. Every one of us are designed to be at a certain place and to function in a place where it pleases God, pleases God, where it pleases God. You think about, pleases the one who created us. And then... In Acts 13, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit says, Okay, I want you to separate Paul and Barnabas to the work that I've called them to. And God says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I called you, and I set you apart. I set you apart. I separated you to be who you're called and created to be. Listen, listen to the definition of called. In the Greek is the word kaleo, and it means to call aloud, to summon to call forward your purpose. Separated means separating from something to something else, set apart by boundaries, setting, uh, 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 separating from something to something. So God is saying, okay, I'm calling your purpose aloud. He says, I I have a call upon you. Remember, deep calls unto deep. The deep in God is calling to the deep in us, and He's wanting us to get to our place and to be who we're called and created to be. But most of the time, people, they, they realize they're called, but they never get to the chosen part because they're not willing to go from called to separated. You see in Acts chapter 9 that whenever Paul had his road to Damascus experience, there was a 14-year period of serving and growing and learning until Acts chapter 13 takes place where the Holy Spirit shows up and says, Okay, now separate to me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to. They were already in the process of becoming who God had called them and created them to be. Are you in the process of becoming everything God has called and created you? to be. Because when we call upon the name of Jesus, we, we, we're born again on the inside. Desires, gifts, callings, passions come alive. Some of, some of us, there's certain grace. All of us, there's certain graces we had before we were saved. But then when we got saved, certain things come alive. An awareness came alive because we were plugged into the source, just like these lights or the speakers or whatever. They're designed to function, but they don't function at full capacity till they're plugged into the source. Well, when you and I are plugged into the source, desires start to come about, callings start to come about. And then as we're faithful, more is added to us as we go throughout our life because we are faithful with where we're at. Say faithful. So how do I get to my place, and how do I realize my grace? Well, realize that every one of us have a call. Realize that the Spirit of God is calling every one of us loudly, on the inside, deep calling unto deep. I've created you for more. You know why we have a desire to be more, to do more, to have more? Because there is more. <laughs> That's the character and nature of God. There, there is more. There's always more in the presence of God. There's more grace. There's there's more joy. There's more peace. There's more fulfillment. There's more victory. There's more revelation. There's more life. There's just more. That's why why there's a desire always for more. And the more we hang out in the presence of God, there's always going to be a desire for more because we're aligning our mind, will, and emotions with our spirit man, the real us, and we're starting to hear the call more loudly than what we've heard it in the past. There's a, a deep calling unto us. I know that there's more. I know I'm created for more. I know there's gifts. I know there's callings. I know there's desires in me that are pulling me to do something more. But how do I set myself up to step into the more, to grow into the more, to walk into the more? Because every one of us are called, say, I'm called. Every one of us are called. We've got to settle that on the inside. Many are called, Matthew 22, 14. Few are chosen. Few are willing to go through the process. Few are willing to renew their mind. Few are willing to be faithful. Few are willing to be the givers. Few are willing to be the praisers. Few are willing to be the worshipers. Few, and those few that are called, many are called, but the few that are chosen, those few are the ones that are going to be separated, that are going to go from what they're called to do to the separation, walking, in the fulfillment of God's call upon our life. It is a sad thing that very few people truly walk in the ultimate call of God on their life. We can't kid ourselves. There's more people not walking in the plan and will of God for their life than there are people walking in the plan and will of God for our life. Like I mentioned a while ago, when the devil is working overtime to keep people out of their place, out of their grace, out of their gift, and almost everything, well, every person, if they get quiet in the presence of God, they're going to hear the call. But if I had my phone, you know, how many times does a call come in and you're doing something and you hit decline or you hit mute? Or... But how many times has God the call started talking to you, the summons started talking to you, deep calling unto deep was talking to you, and you hit decline and you never got back to the call? Many are called and few are chosen. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 1 and it says Paul a bond servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God. Notice that called and separated Ephesians 4:1 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which we, which you were called Galatians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. But when it pleased God who separated me, separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So you see the words call and you see separated. there's, There's different degrees of separation. Paul said, I was called from my mother's womb. You and I were called from our mother's womb. He says, but then... I was separated. There's a call and there's separation. There's call and separation. The Spirit of God is wanting us to get the realization that in order for me to get to my place, to function as a thumb, as a finger, as an ear, as an eye, to walk in dominion and authority, okay, I get born again and I say, yes, sir. And tomorrow I'm going to say, yes, sir. And the next day I'm going to say, yes, sir. And the next day I'm going to say, yes, sir. If nobody else is saying, yes, sir, what's our response? Yes, sir. And we're renewing our mind, and we're locating the desires that the Father has placed on the inside of us, and they're leading us to our place, and those desires are are leading us to our relationships and leading us to the opportunity, and now we're, we're grace. We're realizing, okay, it's the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God, and the more we acknowledge the grace of God, the more it intensifies. The less we acknowledge the grace of God, the less we walk in the grace of God. Philemon 1.6 says, It's important for you and I to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Acknowledge that it's the grace of God that you think the way you think. Acknowledge it's the grace of God that you're healed the way you're healed. Acknowledge it's the grace of God that you have the ideas that you have. It is the grace of God. Say it is the grace of God. Without the grace of God, we wouldn't be able to connect one thought with another thought. Without the grace of God, we wouldn't be able to put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. It is the grace of God. It is important that we realize how powerful the grace of God is and how good our God is, that His grace is sufficient to each and every one of us. And Paul is saying, okay, I'm called to be this, but I, I, I'm, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. I'm letting the desires, I'm acknowledging the calls, I'm acknowledging the gifts. And then there's a time of separation. And he was separated and he stepped in to the ultimate call that God has for his life. Whatever we're called to do, maybe in the business world, you see this all the time in athletes. You hear, you hear coaches talk about how gifted somebody is how much potential they have but they never become what they're called and created to be. Why? Because they don't go through the separation process. You see it in ministry all the time. People, they have a call as a young person and they're, they, they're called and they want to be a leader right off the bat. And they want to be put in places of authority right off the bat. And and I've got a call and I've got a gift and, and that's great and fine. But what are you doing to grow through the process to be separated unto the place that God has called you to be? Remember there's a place where we're heading somewhere to be the person that God has called and created me to be. What, what if I, you know, our little kids, you know, if, whenever they're little, what if, what if I stuck my head on Chloe whenever she was a baby? I mean, that would just look strange. What if I stuck my leg on, on Hayes, our, our son, whenever he was just a baby? That would be strange. Why? Because the body was growing uh, unproportionate. But God wants you and I, as we're in relationship with God, for us to grow together in our relationship with God, and you to work in your grace, and me to work in my grace, and the body of Christ grow proportionally to the place that we're mature, walking as a mature adult, the body of Christ, not the baby that we celebrate at at uh, Christmas time. He's no longer a baby. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And you and I are supposed to be His body upon the earth. Well, how do we function as His body? I'm not talking about just saved and going to heaven. I'm talking about dominion and authority and victory and power. You and I discovering how to get to our place, operate in our grace, and receive more and more grace to bring glory to Him. There are people dying and going to hell that you and I are supposed to reach. But it ain't going to happen just because we seen Kumbaya and have a bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus. No, it happens when we get up in the morning and we say, what do we say? Yes, sir. See, people don't get to their place by being disobedient. People don't walk in victory by being disobedient. Isaiah 119 says, Those who are willing and obedient... They eat the good of the land. Now, I just want to clarify something because sometimes it's so easy to get our eyes off of, on other people and what they're doing. Well, they're doing this and they're doing that. Or, and that's why Paul writes the analogy in First Corinthians chapter 12. And he's saying, hey, if you're an I, B, be an eye. Quit looking at the elbow and you just be who you're created to be. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12, he says, it's not wise whenever we compare ourselves with other people. So I can't compare myself with you and you can't compare yourself with me. Yes, we need coaches and leaders and teachers and all that type of stuff that we learn from, but then He wants us to put it through our wiring and be who He's called and created us to be. God wants us to get to our place, find our place, find our grace. How do we do it? By renewing our mind. How do we do it? By listening to those desires on the inside of us. How do we do it? By making the most of our divine associations that God has placed in our life. How do we do it? Realizing that God knows what he's doing, where I'm living, where I'm living, and where I was born, where I was born. He knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing when he says, okay, realize you're called, but realize I want to separate you to be who you're called and Christ created to be. In other words, he's saying, grow where you're planted. Am I applying what I know to apply to become who I say I'm wanting to be? Something I ask myself all the time, if this is what I say I'm going to do, do my disciplines and my habits match what I say I want to become? Because if my discipline and habits don't match who I say I want to become, then that will just stay a pie in the sky. That will just stay a dream way out there. It'll never become a reality. I've got to be in the process of becoming today who God has created me to be from the foundations of the world. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end. He never starts something unless it's already finished. So, Lord, teach me to number my days correctly. What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to develop today? What is your process? Of becoming the eye, the ear, the nose, the whatever you are in the body of Christ, are you renewing your mind? Are you putting God first? Are you listening to your desires? Are you answering the call? Realizing that deep is calling unto deep and He's saying, I'm calling loud. When you get quiet, the deep in God is answering, calling to the deep in you. Or are you muting the phone every time the call comes? Maybe because you're scared. Maybe because of us being afraid. Maybe because it's, we say it's not the right time. Whatever the case may be. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 12 through 15. He says, "'Let no one despise or think less of you because of your youth, but be an example, a pattern for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity, till I come devote yourself to public and private reading, to exhortation, preaching and personal appeals, and to teaching and instilling doctrine. Do not neglect the gift which is in you.'" Pause. So if he instructs him not to neglect the gift that lets us know that we can neglect the gift. If he tells us not to neglect the gift, it lets us know we can neglect the gift. If many are called but few are chosen, that lets me know that the call can come in, but we don't have to choose. We don't have to operate in our grace. We don't have to operate in our giftings. We don't have to say, yes, sir. We don't have to renew our mind. We don't have to honor the relationships that are in our life. It's a choice and a decision that we have each and every day to say, yes, sir, when I get up in the morning and to stay in the process of renewing my mind and listening to the desires and realizing there's a call and realize that God's wanting to separate us to a place where we walk in victory, where we prosper. We'll be everything that God's called and created us to be. We can be who God's called and created us to be. We can walk and experience what's in this Bible. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord years ago now of God, I I remember saying these words, God, I want to experience what I see in the Bible. I don't I want to just read about the Bible. I want to know the God who showed up for Moses, who showed up for David, who showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And but that's when we got to get to the place that we're going to make a decision. Okay, I'm not going to neglect what God's put on the inside of me. Let's keep going. First Timothy chapter four. He says, Don't neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit by prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands upon you at your ordination. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry so that your progress may be evident to everybody. Notice this, throw yourself wholly into it. How do I go from called to separated? At some point in time, I've got to throw myself wholly into becoming who God has called and created me to be. I've got to not neglect the gift and throw myself wholly into becoming the business person, becoming the doctor, becoming the lawyer, becoming whatever you're gifted and called to be. There comes a time to operate at a high level of anything, spiritually, financially, physically. Nobody operates at a high level unless there's. There's been a time that they give themselves wholly and devote themselves wholly. And when Tom, Dick, and Harry are doing this, you're still going to be doing what you need to do because you're giving yourself wholly. He says that your progress may be evident to all. So I've got to ask, okay, have I located my gifts? Have I located my grace? Have I located my desires? And have I devoted myself wholly to it? You know, there's certain runners and stuff that, you know, they're at the Olympics, that they're designed a certain way. They're gifted, their grace, their lungs, their air capacity, their structure, everything else about them. But if they don't give themselves wholly to running, they will never be an Olympic athlete, correct? And there's other people that their body is not designed to function at the top level as an Olympic athlete or runner. It don't matter how much they practice, they they can get good, but they'll never be at that place. How, How about you and I? What are we gifted to do? What are we graced to do? What is the best you look like? Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Well, what does that look like for you? It looks like you being in your place, you being in your grace, you operating in your gifts and your desires, and you giving yourself wholly to it. Giving yourself wholly to it. How holy are you giving yourself? How devoted are you to know God and be the best you you can be? Many are called, but only few are chosen. What's, the, what's, the, what's one of the key ingredients to go from the called to the chosen? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is huge. Faithfulness. And people in today's society have a hard time with faithfulness. Faithfulness. Revelations 19.11, it says that Jesus was riding upon a white horse and He was called faithful and true. Faithful first and then true. Faithfulness is very, very important to God. Faithful, how faithful am I to the place that God's called me to connect to? How faithful am I to God Himself? How faithful am I to His Word? How faithful am I to the desires, the calling, the graces, the gift? How faithful am I? Because a faithful person abounds with blessing and empowerment to move forward. Proverbs 28:20. 20. Faithful, say faithful. Another word, for faithful is devoted, committed, all in. If I want to operate in the the separation, the fullness that God has for my life, there's going to be faithfulness. Years. Faithfulness isn't a one-time thing. Faithfulness is who we are. Because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're faithful. Say faithful. Let's keep going. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. It says, In the twelve summoned the multitude and the disciples said, It's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually. Say continually. We'll give ourselves continually. Are you giving yourself continually to what you're created to do? People ask me all the time, how, how do I keep things balanced in, in my life with all the, all that we have going? And I learned this years ago that anytime you're moving forward, you're not going to be in balance. We have a false perception of balance. Balance means I'm standing still and I'm not going anywhere. So there's going to be, okay, yes, we have our priorities. I can tell some of you, you're thinking. Yeah, I can hear you thinking. So we have priorities and we keep things in order, but at some point in time to move forward, something is going to be a little out of balance, but then we got to bring it back into balance and then out of balance and then back into balance in order to keep moving forward. So this idea of keeping everything in balance lets you know you're not moving very much. We're learning, aren't we? But see, when I'm faithful, faithfulness leads to truth, where unfaithfulness leads to deception. Please write that down. Faithfulness leads to truth. If I'm faithful to God, I'm faithful to the calling, I'm faithful to listen to the call, answer the call, follow the desires, follow my giftings, it's going to lead me to truth and keep leading me to truth. And we know it's the truth that we know that we're acquainted with that keeps us free, sets us free, makes us free, correct? But unfaithfulness leads to deception. I'm not faithful. I can go to church, but I'm not faithful to be a doer of what I'm hearing. I can go through the process, but I'm not faithful. I'm not faithful to the divine relationships. I'm not faithful to this. I'm not faithful to that. And unfaithfulness leads to deception. Deception is, I think I'm right, but in all actuality, I'm wrong. See, where is God heading us? He's heading us to a certain place. He's calling us loudly to be who we're called and created to be, but there's a process to become what we're called and created to be. It doesn't just happen because of our bumper stickers or I love Jesus. He wants it to take place But how do I get there? I'm saying, yes, sir. I'm renewing my mind. I'm listening to the desires, the call. And I'm willing to be separated because I've grown into the place where he says, okay, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. Every one of us have a call, but not every one of us will get to the ultimate separation. And that's not God's choice. He wants all of us to get there. It's our choice. And so you can go through the word, and and I'm going to call it good for tonight. But you can keep going through the Word and you see devoted. And you see giving holy to it. You see giving it all you've got. You see Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto man. Heartily means I'm going to do it until I have no breath left. If Jesus doesn't come back, they're just going to probably write on my tombstone, He just ran out of breath. I want to leave it all on the table. I want to give it all I've got for the glory of God. I want each of us to stand before God and Him say, Well done. Well done doesn't mean you got saved. We want to make each other feel better. That that's all there is to it. Oh, I love Jesus. Well, well done, good and faithful service. No, well done that you said, Yes, sir, to Jesus. And made him your Lord and Savior. But well done means it's like, I mean, I, I think we have some steak lovers in here and some chicken lovers. And if, if you're watching and you're not, it's no big deal. Just it's, just go with me here. You, so you cook something on the grill right here. And if you just barely put it on, it's not well done, right? It's just barely, I mean, you just, I mean, you knock the horns off and whop it's honey. And there's a and you, they just serve it. Some people like it like that. But if you stay with it a little bit longer, it's cooked a little bit more. And you stay with it a little bit longer, it's cooked a little bit more. And you stay with it a little bit longer. And it's cooked a little bit more until it's well done. What's well, the same process that we come into the kingdom of God and we stay faithful to God and faithful to listening and faithful to doing and faithful. And we're getting grown. We're growing up a little bit more, maturing a little bit more. Maturity isn't determined by how old you are. I know a lot of old people with diapers on Spiritually. Maturity is determined by what I hear and what I do. I want to learn a little bit and do a little bit. Learn a little bit, do a little bit. Learn a little bit, do a little bit. bit, bit. Spiritual maturity is determined by what I'm doing with what I know. And if I stay with the process, stay with the process, stay with the process, I'm going to stand before God and He's going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Did you get something out of the Word tonight? Thank you, Father. Father, I just love you so much. And I'm so grateful for each and every gift represented tonight, each and every call that's represented tonight, that, Father, as we continue to say yes to Your Word and Your plan, we continue to renew our mind. You said we would prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, Father, I just ask that even while we sleep, if there's any areas of confusion, if there's there's been any gifts suffocated or, or pushed down or pushed back, for whatever reason... That tonight the Spirit of God removes the veil. The Spirit of God stirs it up again on the inside of them for them to be who they're called and created to be. Many are called, but Father, we want to be the chosen. We're going to keep saying yes, sir, and keep being doers of the Word until we know we're operating in our graces, and our gifts, and our place, and great grace is upon us all. And we see signs, wonders, and miracles all for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we get ready to minister to the Lord in our finances, um, I just want to share this with you. This came up in my heart today. Of just thinking about uh, the separation. We're talking about called and separated, right? Well, Luke chapter 16, I'll just read it to you. This isn't in your notes there, but Luke chapter 16, you see this process here, and in verse 10. He says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So right here, Jesus is talking about the least being money. Now we're talking about what does is, what is separated look like financially? Go Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. And I'll just read this to you if you it's not in your notes there. And I want us to see the process of separation and, and ministering to the Lord isn't about money. It's about us. You go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, not eating of the tree, wasn't about the tree. It was about them having relationship with Almighty God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. The word die means to separate from the source. That because they, they touched what God told them not to touch. That was the wrong kind of separation. They went from... You, you, think of, of, you think of the abundance that Adam walked in. I mean, you think of the wealth that Adam walked in and he went from the wealthiest beyond our imagination to a broke man in one day. Why? Because he is separated from his source. Keep reading Genesis chapter 3, verses 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And I wrote this in my Bible. Many people are naked from the power because they have touched the dedicated thing. Many churches... Are naked. Many Christians are naked of the power of the glory because we've touched something that's dedicated to the Lord. What does what, what the tithe mean to the Lord? I'll just read this to you. Leviticus 27 verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Listen to this. It is holy to the Lord. What does the word holy mean? The word holy means a cut above. The word holy means separated. The word holy doesn't mean how you dress. doesn't mean whether you wear makeup or you don't wear makeup. Holiness is an action of the heart. Holiness is a condition of the heart that it, it, it's shown in action. And it says the tithe is, is holy to the Lord. So God is the owner of everything. Just like in the Garden of Eden, he was the owner of everything, but he gave Adam the choice of whether he was going to honor what was God's or whether he was going to dishonor. We, we have the opportunity. Am I going to consider the tithe holy? Why? Because, see, Adam was separated, and through the tithe, that's part of the process of being reconnected to the Heavenly Father. When you call upon the name of Jesus, yes, you're reconnected spiritually. But to walk in life and life more abundantly, our tithe brings us back in the connection of Him being the source of everything in our life. And the tithe is holy. Say holy. In other words, he's saying it's set apart, it's separate, it's dedicated to the Lord. Remember, it's not about the money, it's about us. Matthew 6, 21, where our treasure is, there's our heart. Our worship of our finances isn't about the finances, it's about us. It's not about what he's saying about the land and the cows and the horses and all the tin. It's about us. It's about relationship with God. Listen to our part and listen to God's part and we're going to be done for the night. Malachi chapter 3. And I know most of you know this, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, correct? Malachi chapter 3. Listen to this. It says, "'For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob.'" Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? Notice this. So they're asking, How can we return to God? Remember, Adam was separated because he touched the dedicated thing, the holy thing to God. And it says, Well, how can I return to God? God is saying, I'm not changing. In verse 8 it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have you robbed you? In what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? And he says, You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he goes on and he says, Now bring all your tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven... "...and pour out for you such a blessing, and there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts." The word delight is the word Eden. So through the tithes and offerings, God is saying, I'm desiring to restore you back to that place of unended supply of Eden. But when you touch the dedicated thing, even though God wants to return us back to that place of abundant provision, He can't because we don't see it as set apart. We don't see it as holy. We don't see it as an act of worship. See, when we bring our tithes and offerings, we're connecting not only with our heart, but we're connecting with our whole life back to God. I want to pray over your giving tonight. Father, we just love you so much. And we dishonor you. Father, every person that's represented here, every gift, every talent, every calling, Father, I just ask you to increase them. Your Word says that you do open the windows of heaven and you pour out the empowerment to prosper, the blessing, that there's not room enough to receive it. And you yourself rebuke the devourer for our sake and he shall not destroy the fruit of our ground. He shall not, shall not And Father, we just thank You that Your Word says that all nations will call us blessed and we are a delightsome land. And Father, we reconnect to the abundant provision tonight. That we have our life, we give it to You, our gifts, we give it to You, our our livelihood, we give it to You, our family, we give it to You. we want You to know we love You and we bless You in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.